If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. I am your host, Sterling Chapman, joining you today from Salt Lake City, Utah at the Best Ever Conference. Um, I was uh, stepping away for a second so that I could have a, a podcast interview with Nate Smith from uh, Clearwater Capital. Nate, thank you so much for joining the show. We're so glad that, uh, that that you're here with us. Thanks, Sterling. Thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for taking the time to step away at that conference. I know it's a action-packed, value-packed conference. So I really appreciate your time. Uh, same, same. Um, tell us your story, man. Where, 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 where'd you come from? What were you doing before real estate? How'd you get into real estate? And what are you doing these days? Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, came from a small town in Wisconsin, about 500 people, typical small town story, grew up on a gravel road. There's no stoplights in my town. There's some bars, some churches. My dad's a town veterinarian. My mom works a couple towns over, did, uh, running a lab at a hospital, uh, so I had a great little small town upbringing, went to a small state school in uh, Wisconsin there for undergrad, got a chemistry and a business major uh, there, went on then to Madison, Wisconsin, got my PharmD, my doctorate in pharmacy. And that's kind of when my real estate journey started there, did a house hack while I was in grad school there. Um, that morphed into right when I got out of school, just buying small rental properties, doing burrs, doing flips, et cetera, et cetera. Fast forward forward to kind of today, the portfolio sits around 200 doors across, you know, six or seven different LLCs. And now we're focused more on like uh, newer built multifamily stuff. Um, I've since moved to Denver, Colorado, where I live with my wife and our son, William. Um, yeah, that's that's what we're doing today, just to focus in on building out the portfolio there in those. Uh, I still mainly invest in the Wisconsin market. So that's where um, the vast majority of my assets are held. Awesome. So it sounds like you got a lot going on, a lot of different irons and a lot of different fires. And that is a perfect topic for uh, for the discussion today, because it's something that I struggle with. It's something that I'm like currently struggling with. And it, I always describe it as like an ongoing identity crisis. And and it's and if you spend it sounds like, you know, with your you know, in the best ever conference, it sounds like you spend, you know, a good time getting in groups and around other, you know, like minded investors. And a lot of the, a lot of the the uh, direction that comes from those type of places is always specialized, specialized, niche down, specialized, niche down. And for me, it just hasn't been like something I wanted to do or something that like evolved that way, right? Because like I'm making money with these single families, I'm making money with these multifamilies. You know what I mean? These flips are great cash to dump into my apartment projects. And but there's no good property managers out there. So I want to start a management company, you know what I mean? And to solve all those problems. And then you like when you but when you tell that to somebody who has, you know, 20,000 apartment units and they just look at you like, you know why I have 20,000 apartment units? Because all I did was buy apartment units. 
and, sure. and it's, it's like can't argue with that you know yeah yeah exactly I, i've kind of you know i i, I struggled with the same thing first off i you know the whole squirrel concept i'm just sitting here yeah. and i'm like oh man let's go over here um the fomo thing i've you know i was on the crypto train a little while ago that didn't work out so well right. I know, all, all that stuff so i struggle as well in real estate and like you know i we're both members of go abundance so like my pod really drills down on me say nate stay in your lane and my lane right now is post 70 1970s built multifamily assets i have my team in place i did start the property management company and then sold out of it but luckily i kind of know how that operation goes and i have trust there i am trying to drill down and stay in that niche um, niches create riches right so i'm trying to just this is what i'm good at Let's stay here at least for another couple of years. You know, I do think there's a time where you should branch out. And I think, you know, you do need to pivot too. Um, I'm seeing like a lot of legislation come down that's not necessarily friendly in some states for residential real estate. My state's doing okay still. Neighboring state, Minnesota's got a lot of legislation passing. I live in Colorado. That's got a lot of legislation passing, very tenant-friendly stuff. So maybe residential real estate isn't going to be what it is right now in 10 years. So I do think you need to pivot. But yeah, I think being a master of your craft is super important if you can be that. It's just the problem, I think, with guys like us is when we become masters of our craft, we get bored. Bored. And we're like, yeah, yeah we're, we're good. We're, I'm, I'm dialed in here. I need another challenge. I need the next mountain to go. So and, I think that's a problem. They're all related, right? It's not like I opened an ice cream shop on Tuesday and a boutique, you know, on, on Thursday, and and then now I'm selling Amway on Friday. Like they're very, they're very, very complementary, right? And yep. like, like my idea with the property management company is like it feeds all my other business, right? It it's the only way I've been able to get my portfolio to perform, and. And then it solves problems for for my peers. It builds additional relationships with other high net worth individuals because if they own twenty hood houses that they want me to manage, like they probably got enough money to invest in my apartment deal too, right? For so sure. there's, there's a lot of synergies there. Um, I hate that word because it's so corporate, but I, I can't think of another one to describe the. the no, um, that's management. that's exactly it. Like I, when we when we started the property management company, two things, two values. I saw it. It's not a super profitable business, as you know. Right. One, say you've got 100 units, but you manage 500, you're able to maybe bring on like a higher skilled individual because you have the payroll. So maybe it's like an actual CPA or if it's an actual HVAC maintenance guy versus your general maintenance guy, because you can spread that payroll out over your assets along with the 400 other units you're managing. Right. Only other benefit we ever saw, like you said, you're networking with other property owners. So you probably get first look when they decide to sell or like you said, the relationships with the high net worth individuals. Those are really the only two. Um, I, control, I guess I should say that. Control over your assets. Like you say, you want to manage them how you want to manage them. And sometimes we as find in third-party managers, they're just not doing it how we would want it. But that's kind of it. It's, I tell anybody that's going to get in it and they think they're going to make a bunch of money uh, starting a property management company. I'm like, I don't know about that. But there are some advantages. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's not, like you said, my intention is not to get rich off of the property management company. It's just just to feed the other avenues, you know, which, which will get me where I want to be. But um, another thing is just, 
operating a business that's not as sensitive to like I don't like living off of being a real estate investor because it it forces you to make choices for the short term versus the long term. And if you have an additional form of income coming in, people ask me all this because because when I first started investing, I was buy and hold all the way. I was never going to yep. sell anything until I died. And like you know, I, I sold 20 houses last year and I've sold, you know, four so far this year. And people mm-hmm. are always like, why are you selling? And I'm like, because I need the money. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And and if and if I had like rent rental income from your own portfolio, as I'm sure you're aware, can be, you know, not yep. as predictable as we would like, right? To live off for of. sure. And then flipping is generates great, great returns and great cash but it's stressful. It's no, it's no way to live. Like I I saw somebody the other day speaking at my meetup and he said, it's hard to build a business around flipping because you can't like ever a hundred percent know where the next deal is coming from. And that's, that's stressful. You know what I mean? So I just like, I like the idea of having this extra business and it's a business that I feel like, and as we, as we are with the interest rates right now, and then it's harder to flip, it's harder to sell the houses, It's harder to buy houses that cash flow for yourself, for your rental business. Right. So yep. like, what do you, what do you do? Do you sit on the sidelines for two years until the fed kind of pops out? Or do you like find another business that can, that can create that cash flow in that meantime? Because I mean, the property management stuff, that's, I feel like that's only going to go up uh, with a recession or with the high interest for rates, sure. right? Because you've got a bunch of guys like you and me, let's say they were going to buy a bunch of rental properties. Well, I mean, if times get hard and things go sideways, like they're going to have to go back to work. They can't manage their stuff. I can manage it. You know what I mean? And yeah. a lot of scenarios like that um, where I just, I think that'll be more predictable, more predictable revenue in uncertain times. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It was very ho-hum. I mean, we, we kind of knew exactly what it was going to bring in every month. And like you say, you have your employees on the property management side, Maybe they, you know, get better, you know, good at their job, and they eighty percent of their time goes to property management. Twenty percent of the time, you can use them over here, uh, you know, looking yeah. at deals, syndicating. You know, it all kind of interweaves, as you say, and it just allows you to be able to carry that payroll, those people on your right. staff. It doesn't matter what you're using them for, as long as they're doing a good job managing the assets you manage. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect, and and we do that in the office. We we cross train and cross collateralize <laughs> everybody. You know, I I tell my property manager, like some days you work for Crestworth Capital, some days you work for Crestworth Property Management and vice versa. I tell my guys, you know, from that we that we work on the apartment. So some days you're going to be a property manager. That's just part of the part of the gig. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The markets, it's it's crazy right now. Uh, What are you seeing? What what are you uh, what are you seeing in your markets? So for for us, you know. The the flipping was very very profitable last year, and it and and so that gets addicting. But it, it this, towards the end of last year and the beginning of this year, it's just not the same. So where we would list a house in January February 2022, and we get five offers day one and sell it for ten above ask. Today we list a house and it sits for a month and we reduce it twenty grand and it you know it eventually sells but not like it was before and you've got you got a combination of selling a lot lower and then and then more holding costs because it's taking longer to sell and for so sure. you get you get hit from either side so that's not fun um, we're to the point now where we can't we can't buy rentals right unless they're 
$25,000 hood houses that we're going to put on section eight, but you can't yeah. buy, you can't buy a $150,000 house with an 8% interest rate. That's going to cash flow if it rents for $1,500 a month anymore. I mean, yep. you, you could in 2019, you just can't today. And, yep. and, and you could say, and I've said it publicly a bunch of times, you could say like, Oh, well, I'll just buy it now and then refinance it later. But like how often, how many times do you want to do that? Like, how many cash flow negative properties do you really want on your books waiting for the world to change? <laughs> exactly. I don't think you can bet on that. That's exactly right. That's so, tough. but I will say this on the like, on the acquisition of distressed properties, like, I don't think they got the memo. I don't you know, the, the sellers, the sellers still, they're still living off of that, you know, headline from, from mid 2022 where my house is worth a million dollars, you know? And so we're we're gonna get we're getting squeezed um, sure. because you know the memo hadn't got to them yet, but the memo got to them, you know. Yeah, this is exactly it. Like, that's exactly what I'm seeing is the bid ask. The spread is just so much right now. Like anybody competent on the seller side, the investor side is like these prices rationally need to come down a lot just based yeah. off debt service. And right now, sellers are not willing to have or listen to that conversation. They want prices from uh, 15 months ago, you know, and they're they're anchored still. So something needs to bring them down or bring us up. And I think the only thing that's going to bring us up is either we're not disciplined, which hopefully we're not going to do, or the interest rates go down. And I don't know which one's going to happen. Right. So walk me through walk me through the the structure of your company and your day to day. Sure. Yeah. So generally right now I play asset manager. I live in Denver. Most of the assets are in Wisconsin. Uh, I usually have weekly meetings. I kind of spread those out throughout the week with my property managers. I have a couple of different markets. So a couple of different property managers. I usually try to spend an hour or two on lead generation, calling brokers, networking, looking at my uh, direct to seller stuff, things like that. Then hopefully I'm analyzing a deal or two. Um, what, are you, what are you getting from brokers? What are you looking? What assets are you looking at that brokers are having? Sure, just multifamily assets. I, you know, I my elevator pitch to them is I'll buy anything post nineteen seventies, two to one hundred units. I, I would go above that, but honestly, in Wisconsin, there's not many complexes above that. You know, down no. south, you guys see those 200, 300 unit complexes. We just oh, yeah. don't. We don't have that. And I'm in. You know, my markets are like a hundred thousand. That might play into it too, right? So that's a big complex yeah. for a hundred thousand person town. Yeah, for sure. Now, how are you buying those those apartment complexes? Are you syndicating them or no? So that's kind of my my niche, my specialty is I keep everything in-house. I do a lot of creative financing stuff. So I've taken several million dollars in seller money uh in second position or land contracts. I also have hard money lenders where they'll give me money similar to a syndication, but they'll just take a straight preferred return, no equity. So I still yeah. retain all ownership. So yeah, everything I own, I I own 100%. That's awesome. Awesome. So what yeah. uh what's uh what's next for you? I again like the squirrel thing, I'm starting to get bored, <laughs> but my my guys are like, "Hey, just stay in this lane and beat this thing." And especially right now, right? Like we kind of need to stay in our core competencies, our areas where we are the expert. So if we get outside those too much with too many headwinds in the market, I feel like like I, I would love to get into retail a little bit. Industrial really fascinates me. Yeah. But with all the headwinds in the market right now, plus I'm going to break my nose a couple of times in a new niche. Like I need to stay focused on post 1970s built 
two to 100 unit buildings in my markets. And that's what I'm going to do for the next, you know, through whatever um, dip maybe we have or recession, maybe that's on the horizon for the, probably the next 24 months. That's what I'm going to focus on. Awesome. What advice do you have for somebody who um, who's just getting started in this? I just had this conversation the other day. Don't do it. Run. <laughs> yeah. So, so a couple, couple of things, literally, like if I was, we, the conversation was basically like, I would hate to be having to get started in this market, but yeah. something to be said about that is the best entrepreneurs get started in tough times because they figure it out. And I absolutely believe that if you're one of those people, you absolutely, there, there's no market that's absolutely a, a stop or a go. It was easier in some markets, but that makes you lazy. And like, I'm, yeah. I'm a testament to that too. Like some of the stuff we got the last two, three years and equity yeah. we got, it's just like, <laughs> holy crap, man, I didn't deserve that. Right. I didn't work that hard for it. So I was yeah, having this conver- I was having this conversation with somebody downstairs 30 minutes ago where it was they were asking me about GoBundance, pretty successful syndicator. And uh he was like, Yeah, people have been talking telling me to join GoBundance. What do you think? And I was like, you know, and I was like, so I was breaking down how they raised the entry point from a million to two million and they raised the champions from five to ten. I was like, Honestly, I'm glad they did because it, over the last two, three years, any idiot could have tripped over a rock. And if they owned any real estate anywhere, they're a millionaire. And so, like, that's not bringing a ton of value to the group, right? Exactly. So, so I'm, yeah, that's, I mean, we're all, we all had, we all had tailwinds. You know what I mean? I, I tell people about, you know, our first syndication was a 54 unit in Newton, Georgia, and it just did phenomenal. I mean, it, it like it, it tripled what we thought it would do. Rents went higher. I mean, it just went great. And and everybody just thought we were a genius. And I would have to tell my investors like, hey, look, that's dude, that had more to do with the market than me. I promise. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I, I have many, many similar conversations about GoBundance. I'm very happy they raised that because like you said, two or three houses and you held them from 20 to 22. You're probably a millionaire, honestly. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. So I'm gonna try to just stay in my lane and and get get tough. But like, you can do it. Is what I want to tell the new investor. Like, you're gonna be so disciplined to make it in this market that you can make it in any market. You know, to give them some positive feedback. Another thing, like tailwinds. You know, like I'm seeing this legislation. I'm getting pinched. I don't know how you're doing it, but like taxes are just going sky high. Property taxes, insurance. Insurance is, yeah, exactly. That's my next well, I'm one. In, I'm getting I, crushed with insurance. Oh, right dude, now. I'm in South Louisiana, 100 miles from the Gulf. How do you think? I, I mean, it, it <laughs> yeah. is, it's catastrophe zone. I mean, yeah. we're we're getting 40% hikes. I mean, we're getting, exactly. we're getting, they won't even write us. Half the carriers yeah. left the state. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm seeing too. So we're, like you say, we're getting pinched on all sides. So I think it's just time to focus in on operations, look for deals where you can do them. But my, my point in saying all that in the legislation, generally just a rule of thumb in investing, the darling of the last decade, which I would arguably say was real estate and maybe residential real estate of all of those might not be the darling of the next decade. And that's generally true. Things ebb and flow, right? So I'm not trying to tell anybody not to go into residential real estate. You and I both know we've had a very good run. I just don't know what the next decade looks like. It will come back. I promise you, I'm not selling. Like like you said, I used to be a buy and hold guy. I did sell like a dozen assets in the last two and a half years. I still own them all. I plan on owning them all for a reason. So I think it's a good avenue to go into. 
I just would, there's some tail or some headwinds coming for sure. Yeah. I think the, the, the mantra here at the conference this week has been staying alive till 25. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I like that. That's, that's a great, great point. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be key. So talk to me about your teams and your systems and uh, how you built that out and, and, elaborate on that a little bit. That's just something that has really been piquing my interest as I try and grow my business. And I just want to know, like, what are other guys that are a couple steps ahead of me doing? How did they build that out? Walk us through some systems, processes, and team building that you put together. Yep, absolutely. So like I said, I started the property management company. We built that up to like a thousand doors when I exited. It still manages like, I think a couple thousand. Um, So when I stepped, yeah. So when I stepped away from that, I can't, that was still like a, a part of me. You know what I mean? So like, I consider that like, I have a lot of trust there with my property managers. They manage, you know, 60% of the assets still. So lots of trust there. So they're a third party. However, I, I intimately know that business now. So that's kind of part of my team have, you know, I've vetted other property managers, in other markets have one main other property manager that I use uh, have a VA in the Philippines, meet with her on a daily basis, give her tasks. Um, just, you know, Mike DeHaan, he's in GoFundMe yeah. as well. He's got that that marketing. So I do some of that marketing with him. I do a lot of direct-to-seller stuff with just local companies in my main markets. How is that How is that marketing with Mike worked out? So I'm, I'm about a month or two in it. It's good. Like I can see the genius in it. I what I wonder, and I've I've posed this question to him a couple of times, is I'm looking for multifamily assets. I'm not looking to wholesale single family homes or flip single yeah. family homes. I wonder how well it's going to work. I haven't gotten a deal yet on that, but uh, yeah. I'm sure one will come. But I I can see the genius. It's yeah. it's pretty cool. He's got it dialed in. Um, definitely, if you're a young, hungry flipper or wholesaler, and you're willing to really beat the streets. Definitely worthwhile from what I can see. My my hang up, and I it's so weird. And I don't know what it is that like stops me, what kind of like fear or limiting belief or preconceived notion, but direct and, and not with just with Mike, but I, I think Mike said you'd end up spending like 10 grand a month, like if you were gonna do it right. Yep. I just, the whole direct to seller marketing, like it's just so hard for me to stomach 10 grand a month going <laughs> out. And I can't like, you know yep. what I mean? Like because I've done it. I've, I've spent 10 grand in a month marketing and hadn't got shit. I've done it yes. three months in a row. And I'm like, man, this is a hard check to keep writing. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, it's 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 kind of like, yeah, it's a mental shift, right? And I'm I'm struggling with it too. This is probably the most I've spent on marketing, honestly. Usually when I send my mailers out, thousand, two thousand bucks, and he, you know, he's doing the whole nine, the texting, the emails. But like you say, well, we both know too, right? Like it's just hard. Like one deal a year that you can add a hundred grand equity in, you're like, you paid for it. But I think we go back to, and we kind of touched on this earlier. You can't eat equity, but the 10 grand you're giving to the marketing every month, that is yeah. what you could have had and you could have ate. Right. And it's, it's tough. Eat, it's tough to see that go out. That's, that's, that's awesome. I've never heard that before. You can't eat equity. I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal that. For sure, man. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. So your pro- I want to dig into your property management company a little bit because I think sure. it's awesome that you not only built it, but you exited from it. Yep. And and so did you do single family and multifamily or was it? Yeah, how we did, did it all. It? Start from the beginning. Like, where did you start? Sure. How did you build it? What did your team look like? Yep. So, you know, what it was is I partnered with a guy that was a little further ahead 
on, on the path than I was kind of a mentor figure when I started out. And maybe I got to the point I had eight or 10 units myself. I think he had 30. Then we ended up buying a portfolio of about 27 units. So here we were, and I think I had two or three LLCs at the time. From just like a, a strict marketing standpoint, people would come to us and I'd be like, I don't have an opening, but his name is Chase. Chase has an opening over here. And we're just like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, do you rent from this LLC, this LLC, this LLC? We need to create an umbrella that it's like, hey, rent from in the, the company at the time was called Live in Eau Claire. Eau Claire, Wisconsin is my main market. It's now called Prosper Pads or Prosper Real Estate. It's prosperpads.com is the uh the web address. Rent from Prosper. That is the marketing. And then that just morphed into that's our property management company brought on a general manager. She kind of played leasing consultant right away, had a one, I think we went right to two or three renovation maintenance guys. Cause at the time we were kind of doing some heavy value add, um, renovations, burrs, flips, kept those guys on. Now what it morphed into is we started hopping markets. I know that the structure right now still remains, you know, there is a general manager, there is managers and leasing consultants in each market. They have about four or five different markets. There's a maintenance manager in each market. And then there's either subs or employees under those as well. Full-time bookkeeper. Um, I think they employ like four or five VAs to, to do some work on the back end. Um, yeah. And then he actually, the, the guy, Chase is the guy who still owns that. He actually does a VA company out of the Philippines and employs about like three or 400 people in the field. Philippines trains them on Appfolio. That's our property management software we use and then farms them out to other property managers. Is there a reason you went with Appfolio over Buildium? You know, when we did that, I want to say it was probably 17, 16, somewhere around there. We were Yardy guys. Um, we had been brought up on Yardy and we're like pretty sold on Yardy. We we're like on like a DOS base Yardy, like yeah. old, old stuff. And we brought them all in and we said they pitched us. Yardy, Yardy pitched us solid accounting with Yardy, but just the tenant interaction that Appfolio had. We brought in Buildium and I think we brought in Propertyware. And pretty quickly, we were biased toward Yardy. So we brought Yardy in Appfolio. But honestly, Yardy was kind of behind, I would say, Buildium and Appfolio from like a tenant interaction standpoint and all-encompassing property management software. I've messed around with Buildium a couple times in the last few years. Solid. Definitely can do it. Not, not like head and shoulders behind Appfolio or anything like that. I think they're very comparable. Honestly, I, I do some consulting for some guys. So I look at their softwares. Um, I think they're both great, to be honest. But that was seven, eight years ago, too. I want so it could be Buildium now. We would choose. I yeah. have no idea. We went with Buildium. And the only reason we went with Buildium was a mentor of mine uh used Buildium. And he actually referred me to the property manager I hired who was good friends with the property manager he hired. So okay. for me, it was like, it skipped the whole, like, yeah, let me learn how to do it. Go teach her how to do it. I yeah. just like, oh, cool. You can learn from her and then you can teach me how to do it. You know, That's exactly that. That's a huge <laughs> skipping ahead many steps because it is tough to learn that property management system or learn how to use like the nuances of it. Because there's stuff yeah. that is so valuable in there. Like you can think you're using it to its fullest potential, but somebody that like shows you that actually knows how to use it, you're like that is really cool how you can do all the stuff on one platform. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, in the sake, I could, I could talk all day. 
because uh, I have a million more questions for you, so we'll have to catch up another time. But in the sake of time, since I'm, I'm I got the conference downstairs, I want to yep. hop to our radio round real quick. It's sure. just three quick questions. The first one is, what's your favorite book? You know, my favorite book in this waxes and wanes. Um, right now, I'm really digging the gap and the gain by yeah. uh, just Ben Hardy. Yeah. Just, just solid. I think it speaks to guys like us because we are so goal orientated, right? And we you know, always are in the gap. It seems like I am. I don't know. Sure, sure, dude. It's it, it is. It's so weird how you know super successful multimillionaires that own several businesses can just go into this depression where you just I'm just fucking everything. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, like, and then all of my like friends and family look at me like, what the hell are you talking about? You know? <laughs> yeah. But what, what I really took away from that book that was the most impactful to me was not that I do it to myself, but that I do it to others. And like, how was I treating my wife and how was I treating my kids and how, you know what I mean? And I'm sure. not, and it was like, holy shit, like I, I need to stop doing that to them. You know, like I need to stop doing it to me too, but I really need to stop doing it to them because that could be that that's probably the cause of most of the tension that comes up in those relationships. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think why it spoke to me so much is maybe I was going in like as a things were going a little south the last six months in the business. It's like we are in the gap. I'm a very positive person usually, but I it, this kind of like smacked me upside the head. Say, hey, you need to get sure. back into your PMA in all areas of your life because you're starting to slip. And I think that's why it spoke to me so much. Yeah, no, same. I think we're all going through the same thing, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. The next one is what's your favorite quote? Man, I really like the man in the arena by Teddy Roosevelt. And it's yeah. too long to to, to sure, say. Sure. But man, you know, it's uh, do, be a doer, right? Don't be a critic is what the bottom line is. Yeah, yeah. That's that's so relevant to to us as entrepreneurs, you know. Yeah. Cause we 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 break the mold. We I, I don't know how you started, but you know, when I when I had like my dream job that my parents would have wanted me to have my whole life, and then I told them, Oh, actually, in fact, I'm gonna leave it to go try. Like, are you insane? You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Are you insane? Like you're gonna quit and we see it all the time. Pilots quitting to be real estate investors, doctors quitting to be real estate investors. You know, it's it's just it's such a yeah. No, it's it's and everybody's got a comment about it. Everybody, everybody who was like Oh, their dream job's this, and you're you're throwing it away to go risk it all to start something. Sure. You know? Yeah, awesome. so I love that. That's always spoke to me. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do outside of work? I'm a big hunter and fisher. One of the reasons nice. like I moved out, I followed my wife out west, but I live in Colorado now. I love to archery elk hunt. I love to elk hunt in general. I, dude, elk hunting is on my to-do list. I I was I've been talking to my my dad and some friends. We've been wanting to go uh to Colorado to elk hunt. Let um, us let me know. Yeah. I, I definitely. definitely will. That is I actually went hunting for the first time a few uh, about a month or two ago and killed my first deer. So, awesome, man. Uh, so I was really look I was really looking forward to going to do the elk. So yeah. I'll definitely hit you up when we start planning that. Please do. I'd love to. Love to hear. Awesome. Nate, how can our listeners get in touch with you and find out more about you and work with you? And Yeah, yeah. Probably social media is probably the best. Uh, mainly Instagram. I try to put out daily content. Hopefully, uh, your listeners will find it valuable. I'm at Dr. underscore Nate Real Estate. Uh, you'll find me on there. That's probably the best way. Uh, you can DM me. I don't have a huge following, so I'll probably actually respond. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably the best way. 
Awesome. Nate, thank you so much for for joining us today. Like I said, I really wish we had more time because I could have spent another hour uh, diving in and, and asking you more questions. But I, I appreciate you you joining and, uh, and, and accommodating my expedited timeline. But uh, great meeting you. Great chatting more. And I look forward to keeping up with you on your journey. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Sterling. I'm looking forward to keeping up with yours as well. This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to CrestworthCapital.com where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.